Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Help of Hashem, we are learning on the Kamad Daf Kuv Gimel. We left off on Daf Kuv Beis, the Beis, nine lines from the bottom of the Amid. The beginning of the second wide line. Quickly recapping, we are learning the following scenario. Where you have what the Gemara calls the Baal Hamois, the one who comes into a partnership with the capital, with all the capital, with all the money. And you have his partner, who we are calling a shliach, the one who receives the money, but will be doing the work. And here, the Baal Hamois tells the shliach that you go buy wheat. And their deal was that if they buy wheat and they sell the wheat later for a profit, they will split the profit in the middle. Or however they divided the division of the profit, if there's profit. If the shliach deviates, he does not do what he was asked to do, and instead of buying wheat, he buys barley. So we had on top of Kuv Beis, Amit Beis, two Braises. We're going to focus on the second Braise quoted. Says the second Braise that if there is profit, they divide the profit in middle. So we had Rabbi Yechanan that explained that the second Braise goes according to our Tana Rabbi Yehuda. In the Mishnah, we had Mach like Israel made in Rabbi Yehuda. If a person gives rule to a dyer to dye it red and the dyer dyes it black, that mayor holds that a deviation is like a robbery, and if he's viewed as a robber, the rule of a robber is shinui kainu. So the dyer acquires the wool, he only has to give back to the baal hatsemer, the value of the wool as it was while it was given to him, before he deviated it. However, Rabbi Yehuda disagrees, Rabbi Yehuda holds that even when one deviates, they do not acquire. So Rabbi Yechinon said that the second b'raisa goes according to Tanah Rabbi Yehuda, and even though the shliach deviated, he did not acquire the money. And therefore, if the money turns out to profit, the profit goes to both. The Baal Hamois remains involved in this transaction. And a Hanami, if there is a loss, since he deviated, we penalize him. It's a knas, that he is the one, the shliach is the one that absorbs all the loss. That is how the Echelon explained the second price. And the Gemara said that Mahaku alei the Benemarot. By the way, in Sanhedrin we know, Sanhedrin Yud Zayin, that Rabbi Yossi Barab Hanino is the Bnei Marav. It's good to remember these things. Well, let's call him the Bnei Marav disagrees with Rabbi Yechon. And they say the following, that when a seller is selling, in our case, wheat, and he doesn't know that the Shliach doesn't own the money, that there's really a Baal Hamaz. So Avada, as long as the Shliach is doing what he was instructed to do, being that he's a shliach and shluchesh ladam kamoisai, so the bal hamois is part of the transaction. It's going to be sold to the bal hamois, whether the seller knows it or not, because the shliach is only an extension of the bal hamois. But in our case, how can Rabbi Yechonon explain the price of the way we just explained it? The moment the shliach deviates, even Rabbi Yehuda, he's not a robber and he does not acquire it. So the money belongs to the bal hamois. The seller doesn't know that there is a bal hamois. He's not intending to sell it to him. And therefore, it will not belong to the Baal Hamois. So therefore, the Bnei Marav needed to learn the second Braise, the way that was learned it, that Bechlal deviating, when it comes to business, this is not called a deviation. So that's, that's what we learned yesterday. So bottom line is, we have a machlekes between Abiyechanon and between the Bnei Marav. In a case where a shliach holding on to someone else's money doesn't do exactly what he was told, and the seller doesn't know that there is a Baal Hamois, will it belong to the Baal Hamois or not? Obviously, Rabbi Yechner holds, we don't care what the seller has in mind. 
when a seller sells an article, he is giving it to whoever the money belongs to. That is the kavana. The Bnei Manava say no. He needs to know who the Balamois is. And if he doesn't know, it will not go to the Balamois. So continuing with this Machlech is, again, Dav Tzadik, Dav Kuf, Beis, Amit Beis, in the second white line. If you learn, you become an Abana. What does it say in the Bible? Alamdin is not the one who knows how to learn. Alamdin is the one that learns. So, If one buys a field in the name of his fellow, this will be explained in a moment. We don't force him to sell it. Who is the him? They explain in a moment. However, the him, Omar Lui, but if he told him, Baita, who is the he, who is the him? We'll see in a moment. Almanaz, ah, the condition that you sell it, then Kaifanai Silikar. As Abunai it's like a medrash to him. So asks the Gemara Micah Omar. Comes along in Abshashis and he says the following. We're going to learn the Gemara the way the Shita learns it. If a person buys a field from his fellow, so. I buy a field from you, but as Rashi says, I am afraid of Asikin. I am afraid of bullies that will, some, for some reason, go against this transaction. So how am I getting away from the Asikin? I'm telling, I'm buying it, I'm not writing it on my name. I'm writing it, Kilo, I'm buying it on behalf of the Rejulusa. The Rejulusa and Bubble, the Goyesh government, allowed us, the Jewish people, to rule over ourselves, and so to say, the head of the Jewish government was the most powerful Jew. No one started up with the Reish Chalusa. So I wrote the field on the name of the Reish Chalusa. I intended to buy the field from me, but I wrote the document that it belongs to that no one is going to start up with him, no one is going to bother me. But sooner or later, I want a document that says that that field belongs to me. So that's the question. So if I wrote, if I bought a, a field for my friend, and I wrote it on the name of the Reish Galusa, we don't force the Reish Galusa Limkoir, meaning, even though it really belongs to me, but since on the document it says it belongs to him, we cannot force the Reish Galusa to write another document that he's giving it to me. We'll see soon why. However, the Imam al Almanaz, but if when I bought the field, I made such a condition, we'll see with whom. But I'm buying it on his name, but really it's mine. And later I want a document writing it on my name, then we do force the Reish to sell it over to me, meaning to write a document that it's mine. That's the way that Sheshus explains the Raisa. A lot more in a moment. So Amar Mahar says, the Gemara recording now this Raisa, the way that Sheshus explained it, if I buy a field, then I really am buying it for me. And the money is my money. But I'm telling the seller, it's really Reish Galusa. We don't force the Reish Galusa to write a document that it's mine. Which implies, that really it belongs to me. The only thing is, it's not documented in my name. Now, says the Gemara, ah, if that's the way you learn the Braisa, this Braisa is a refutation of the Bnei Marav. And if the Bnei Marava goes on a Tano, at least this price it doesn't go according to the sheet of the Reish Galus. Think about it. Because the seller thought that the money belongs to the Reish Galusa. Vaharai, he wrote it on the name of the Reish Galusa. According to the Bnei Marava, when the monies, when the, someone sells an article, 
So if the shlich is acting on behalf of the Balamois, there's no issue. But the moment he's not really his shliach, then the intent of the seller is key. If the seller intended to sell it to the Reish Gulusa, which is what he was told, which is what he wrote the document, then how did I acquire it? And the way we're learning Pshat and the Braise, what Apsheish is, is that it, it really does belong to me. You just don't force the Reish Gulusa to write such a document. Who notified the seller that really there is a balamois? The seller needs to intend to sell it to the one who owns the money. And here it appears that the seller sold it in his mind to the Reish Galusa, even though the buyer is the balamois, and the, and the seller didn't know it. It does go to the buyer. The seller knows exactly who the No, it's not. That's the way we think the The seller doesn't know anything. The seller doesn't know anything. The seller doesn't know anything. The seller doesn't The race goes is not here. He's saying, well, I'm doing it on behalf of. Yeah. He's saying, I'm buying it for the race goes. And it's really not true. So the seller thinks he's selling it to the race goes. The Bnei Marava says, when you sell an article, the seller needs to know who's buying it. Why would you sell it? Because, because there were a bit because, because this people are gonna arrest the seller. Why did you sell it to Chaim Yanko? Sell it to us. The moment they hear, no, I sold it to the Reish Galusa, then let him be. So says the Gemara, you should move like That's not a, that doesn't go against the Bnei Marava because Then who says even according to Reish Lakish that the buyer didn't notify the seller the real truth? He notified the seller the real truth. Really, I'm buying it for me. I don't want people to bother you. I don't want Tassikan to bother me. We're right such a dark. And not only that, more than that, whole discussion here, why is that important? Well, more everyone knows. The seller knows, the witnesses know. So he was writing all the documents. Oh, and, and that's the chiddush that if he didn't tell them to write it, then you can't write it. So the more asks, Ella, he will say, for Oi, Basoi. It says in the Braise that if Al-Bitnas Koyfin Oisilim Koyfin, Am I, even if he tells the seller the truth, the way that Pshatius is learning, even though I'm looking at really it's for me, I'm writing the Neish Galusa, but if he tells the seller, Almanas later the Neish Galusa writes me a document, who is the seller to agree or to disagree about something that someone else will do? That doesn't make sense. The name of Neish Galusa, the Neish Galusa should tell all parties involved, you know something, you're using me, to circumvent yourselves from Asikin, well, on one hand, it's giving me a compliment. You're basically saying that no one starts off with me. I don't need your honor. I don't need the degradation. You should know it's Kabbalic. When people own real estate and they sell it, it's degrading for them. Because if people would not need money, the way we think, never sell real estate. So the Reish Galusa is going to be known that he sold the field. No one is going to know that really it never belonged to him. Reish Galusa doesn't want for a document to be written where such a city field is going from the Reish Galusa's estate to any other person's estate. Elohim and Abayus of says because of these questions, the Pshat and the Braise is different, and therefore it has nothing to do with the Machlekes of Rabbi Echelen and the Reish Galusa. What is Pshat and the Braise? It must be that the Reish Galusa was in the loop. Again, the same thing. Someone, I'm buying a field, but because of a sikim, I'm writing the document, Ki'ilu, the buyer is the Reish Galusa. Dav Kuv Gimel. 
Being that we never consulted with the Reish Galusim, it's never fear to demand of him to do anything. Question is whether I, the buyer, can tell the seller at a later, later date after the Asikin got the misinformation that the Reish Galusim bought it, so they went away. Then I go back to the seller and tell seller, now write me the real document. I want to have a document that it's mine. Now what's the issue there? It's going to give to the seller an appearance that he's a uh, con artist. Because if you write it, if there's a document of sale that you sold the field to Ruven, two weeks later you sold the same field to Shimon. Hey, you sold it already. If you write two documents on the same field, it looks like you're a thief. So I cannot force the seller to write for me the document again. However, the Imam al but if I, I told the seller I need that second document, and he agreed, oh, I made the deal with the Baldover, then Koyfinus Amechilinkur. But this is a common practice, nobody's going to really think that he was. No, 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 it wasn't such a common practice. Not, not, everyone, not, everyone, not everyone agreed to this so quick. Here, the Gemara has another problem with Abai's interpretation. Now, by the way, there's no issue with Chalvus. The name I don't with Rabbi Yechel. So, Amr Mar, it's a line from the top. Halakir Sadim Shem Chaveri, Eim Koyfinus Amechilinkur, Zibn Achriti, we don't do force the seller to write another document, says the Gemara of course, you don't force him to write another document. I said it's going to give the seller a horrible name. Think about it. How does it look? People knew about documents. A documents have a coil. That's why, if you know, if a loan is documented, you can uh, get payment even from the lokuches. You sold your house. Everyone knows your house. You sell it to me. The metamol is two weeks later. Another document you sold it to him. So wow, the table. One might have thought says the gemara. It is a chiddush that Matzi Omar lay that the buyer can tell the seller. That You knew I'm really buying it for me. You knew that I told you to write it in the name of the Reish Galusa. Simply, Rashi says, Panchaya means Lashem Chayzik. I needed to come in here strong because everyone was going to harass you and me. So we, I only did it to get rid of the Asikin. And you know that the Zuzi I would not waste money for nothing. I'm giving you money to buy a field for me to write this sale on him. Hello, you knew it. It should have been a given that I died the cousin Lishvara Achrino, that I wanted you to write for me another document. One might have thought so. Kumash Mulan. Domalay, that the seller can tell the buyer, yeah, I know you're not going to throw the money away in vain. But I didn't expect for you to want for me, the seller, to write a second document. I was sure that you spoke it through with Tereish Galusa. And I was sure that you made up with Tereish Galusa that he should give you another document. That in Yana, Abdiloch, Ba'adi, Havu, Dizavantlei, Bishwei. I thought you made up Sanenya and you made a deal with the one in whose name you're writing the document, with Tereish Galusa. And he not me. Okay, so it's a chiddush, but still the gemara is not happy. Right, tenth line from the top. But if he tells the seller, but write it on the reish galusa, it's really mine. In a month from now, you, the seller, are writing for me another document. Then he has to do it. Click on the link card here. Pshita. Of course, that's what they made. If that was the deal, so the gemara amends. You know, just qualifies a little bit more loyal. It's not exactly that the buyer told the seller explicitly, you are writing the document now. The Reish Galusa, it's not his, it's mine. And you will write for me later on me. That's not the case. He never told it to the seller explicitly. What happened? That the Amaluhu Saadi, 
that when the buyer bought it, he told the witnesses, but he told the witnesses in front of the seller. He didn't speak to the seller. He's not a good communicator. But he told the witnesses that Hazur, I want you to know that the Shtona I will demand another document. I'm just writing it on someone else's name, but it's really mine. So here you would think that that the seller can tell the buyer, you told the witnesses that you want another document. I never thought you wanted from me. Same thing. I thought you wanted from the days Galusa. I thought you meant to tell the witnesses you want a document from the Reish Galusa. So here is the Chiddush Kamash Mulan to Amalei that the buyer tells the seller, I told that to the witnesses in front of you. Why did I say it in front of you? Because I want it from you. I said it in front of you. Okay, good. Now, let's go back to the Machlekes again between the Bnei Marov and Abich. It's Kabbalah Kekansi. When you have a balamois and a shliach, and there's a seller selling something to the shliach, but the shliach is not using his own money, and and the seller doesn't know that he thinks the seller thinks he's doing a deal with the guy who's coming with the money or with an article, but really it belongs to a third party. So according to the Bnei Marava, the intent of the seller is key. The seller needs to know to whom he's selling or to whom he's transacting. So now says the the following story. There was someone that was a flax merchant. And Abkahana gave money to the flax merchant. The Havamina of the Gemara is that the flax merchant already had that commodity. And Abkahana, who gave him money, we keep on learning this, we're learning this a lot recently, whether it is Midin Trader, whether it is Midin and the Taltalin, Kesev does not affect the Kenyan. A Kenyan is affected when you are Moishech, when you draw near, when you lift, when you take hold of the article that you're buying. The Havamin was that Rav Kahana made a Kenyan with the flags. He just didn't take it to his house yet. So Rav Kahana gave money to a flax merchant, again, who had the flags. Rav Kahana made the Kenyan. He told the flax merchant, keep it in your house. Now, before the Afghana collected it, that flax, the Havamin, became more valuable. And the flax merchant wanting to do a favor to Afghana. Oh, this is the Havamin. They have good intentions. He says, you know what, Afghana doesn't need the flax. He did it for business. Let me sell the flax on his behalf, which he did. And he sold Zavne Marvase de Kitana. The original owner of the flax sold the flax to a third party. So let's say that Kahana gave, gave him four Zeus, and he sold it for eight Zeus. And then the seller of the flax, the flax merchant, came to Kahana with the eight Zeus. Sounds like a great story. <laughs> no commissions. Kahana didn't know if he's allowed to take the money. Here's the problem. So it also like I made it up, Kahana comes in front of Rav, and Amalani asks him, what should I do? Ezel the Ishtul Zuzoi, can I take the money? What is the issue, Hebra? Ribis. He gave him four zoos. He's getting back eight zoos. It looks like Ribis. Mexican Ribis. So Amalei, so Rav tells Rav Kahana like this. If when the seller sold the flats, Omri, he told the new buyer, that high kitana, I want you to know that this flax belongs to Rav Kahana. 
Rav was speaking to Rav Kahano, so Rav didn't need to use the word Rav. If he told him that the Kahano, so the seller knew he's not buying the flax from the flax merchant. This flax already belongs. So he gave the money to Rav Kahano. Then it's no school, you can take the money. There's no Mexican in it. But the Eloi, but if the seller of the flax, that's selling it now for the second time. Even though he was honest, he was doing a favor to that guy. If he didn't say it to the new buyer, like Tishko, don't take it. So says the Gemara, based on this understanding, Kiman, this has to be only like the name Arava. Because according to the name Arava again, when a seller is doing a transaction with a shliach, with someone who doesn't really own, here it's not money, here it's the flax. The intent of the seller is needed so it makes sense to say that if the, if the buyer, second buyer, didn't know that he's buying it from Afghano, he thought he's buying flax from the flax merchant. So the king of the money didn't go to Afghano. The money really goes now to the flax merchant. So now that the flax merchant who got four is giving him eight, it, look, it looks like this. But according to Rabyechnan, yeah, according to Rabyechnan, even though the flax, that's the Havim, belong to Afghano, since the new buyer didn't know that, according to Rabbi, and according to Rabbi it doesn't matter what he has in mind, so therefore it is no Imach Sekiris. That's the Havim. It's a real decision. So the same thing is that the Gemara holds the Gemara. Because the Gemara are the ones that say, the Gemara are the ones that say, says the Gemara right away, not Nish. The Gemara is saying that you, you didn't know the story correctly. The way we describe the story, that Rafkahana went and he actually made a Kenyan on the flags, that did not happen. First of all, Avada, what didn't happen was that Rafkahana gave him four without mentioning anything and then he took back eight. That's not Mexican, it is. That's Mamush, it is. That's not what happened. Now, let's go further. So Elamai, you're telling me that he didn't stop giving money. He gave him money and he bought flax. If Rav Kahana actually made a Kenyan on the flax, who gave that flax merchant the rights to sell it? It's not his. And if he sold it without permission, what is he called? A Gazlan. What's the rule by a Gazlan? What do we learn in our Mishnah? That the moment the robber robs, he owes to the owner that article or the value of that article while he robbed it. So if he sold it, when it went up to eight, since he's a Goslin, even according to the Bnei Marava, even if the new buyer would not have known it belongs to Rav Kahano, Rav Kahano should take the eight zoos. Because he's not taking it from the buyer. He's taking it from the flax merchant, who logically is a robber. This is fantastic. It's a class, no? No, it's not a class. You robbed, so that now you have to give back the, 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 the value if you don't have the article itself, he doesn't have it anymore. He sold it. So it doesn't matter, even if you go according to the name of that the seller has to know to whom he's selling, he's not doing this. He's a Gazna. So Kahana should have been allowed to take the angels. So it must be we're speaking about another scenario. And let's speak it out by heart. And this is common. We need this from see. This flax merchant didn't have flax in his possession. Real Jewish business. You know, you sell something before you have it. Something, a bolt of sugar. Before you sell it, then you go buy it. Now, hold on. Hold on a second. So, there's something called Amman. Amman means that there's a trust. So, this flax merchant, 
is in the business. I go over to the flax merchant, and Afghanistan goes over to the flax merchant, and he asks him, I want to buy a price a pound of flax. Now, Rashi already brings from Bob and If the price market of that season of the flax, if the market value did not go out yet, there's issues of it, as we'll explain in a moment. But in the case where right now flax is available and there's already a set price in the market, the rule generally with commodities was that earlier on in the season, when flax is harvested, because there is a lot of flax, the price is cheaper. Normally at the end of the season, when there's a lot less flax available, the prices went up. So Afghana didn't need flax today. So, but he had cash. So he went over to the flax merchant and he gave him four zoos for a pound of flax. The flax merchant is allowed to make that agreement with him without getting into any troubles because now if the flax merchant would have wanted, he can take the four zoos now and buy it now. Now each one... Who's the agreement there? Uh, the tells him, I'm giving you today how much is a pound? Four zoos? Take four zoos. I'll pick it up later. So what does Afghana benefit? He doesn't need the money. It's time to have the money in the bank account. He's buying, he'll need the flax in two months. In two months, flax will be worth double. So Afghana is happy to give him the money up front because he's getting it for a cheaper amount of money. Why does the flax merchant agree to it? Because the flax merchant, like most of us, doesn't have cash flow. So he gets to take four zoos, and he gets to today with the four zoos, he only has to pay it back later. Now when he's paying back later, he's giving him something which has the value of? Ages. That might look like ribis. So Rab holds like this. If he's gonna take the four zoos, even after the shot went out, he can give back eight zoos to him later. Mexican is. But as long as he later gives him back the flax itself, there is no Mexican is problem. So now let's read it inside. That says the Gemara Amri, they explain the whole, the whole story is different. That Hassan over there, Amanda Habani. Rafkahana gave him the money on trust when the market price came out. And there was no, the seller didn't have the flax yet. So Rafkahana did not make a kingdom. So the whole question of if the seller, if the flax seller sold it, he's a gazlan. No, 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 he didn't even have the flax yet. Rafkahana didn't own it yet. And now we understand what Raf told Raf Kahanam. Raf told him that that you are allowed to make such a trust agreement as long as the flax owner is going to give back to Raf Kahano flax. But the flax merchant is not allowed to give him back Amana because Mexican is. Now let's see what happened. What happened? So two months went on. Raf Kahano bought flax. The flax that he bought later was supposed to be given to whom? To Rav Kahana. How much was it worth then? Eight. Eight. According to Rav, he can give him back the flax. But this merchant, now comes the same story. This merchant knew Rav Kahana doesn't need the flax. Rav Kahana did it for business. And now the, this, this person found another buyer and he was going to give him eight. And he sold it to him. Now he wants to give the eight to Rav Kahana. Rav holds Mexican Ibis. So Rav made a leniency. And Raf says that if this flax merchant who sold it to a third party for eight told the third party this flax belongs to Raf Kahana, even Raf says there's no Mexican Ibis because that person understood he's not buying the flax from the merchant, he's buying it from Raf Kahana. Here he is allowed to give Raf Kahana the eight zoos, a leniency. But if he didn't tell it to him, then Raf stands with his words that you can do a mono. But you can only do it when you buy it initially. There has to be that commodity available in the market. If not, it's mamash mechzikiribis. 
And then, nevertheless, he gave him the four. If he didn't notify this, the next buyer, then he's not allowed to give Rav Kahana the Eud. Rav Kahana cannot accept the Eud. This is beautiful. Let's move on. Next mission. Says the mission. Now this mission is based. Let's move back to the way. This mission is based on a parsha by Yikra, parsha by Midbar, speaking about a person who has who's keeping money illegally. Whether it is he stole the money, whether it is he's withholding wages of a worker, whether it is he found the mitzvah and he's not returning it when he knows who the owner is, and other examples that the Torah explicitly gives. And this person not only is a gazlan, but he takes an oath saying that this money is mine, not whoever it really belongs to. Then this person does tshuva. He admits, I swore falsely. So the Torah says that when the Gazlan takes an oath and then does tshuva, he not only has to give back that decadent to the rightful owner, but the Torah gives him a knasin for a kapara that he has to add chamishi soy. In the other place it says chamishi soy. Allah, he has to add a fifth, and he has to bring a carbon for taking a false oath. And again, just to make it clear that the fifth, that these percentages that the Torah speaks about as a rule means milabar. So for example, if the money that he withheld or the money that he stole or robbed was 100, even though when we say a fifth on 100, you think number 20, it's 25. Because you add the knas, and then after you added it, then you look at it, how much does that addition represent from the total after it was added? So if you add 25 to 100, you have 125. How much is 25 from 125? 25% of fifth. I'm sorry, 20% of fifth. Good. So now, if a person robs from his friend, and the amount is Shabbatruta, and he took an oath, says Toysvis, second to last Toysvis on the bottom, I want you to know that by my Nixas, you know what Basin will demand an oath when the claimant is saying you stole two kesef. And the person admitted, I only owe you a pruta, but the rest he's withholding. No, it's for Basin to demand someone to take an oath by Yisela. How would that happen? Normally, if the issue is only one pruta, they won't demand an oath. Sastrasu is that this halacha goes even if Basin did not demand an oath. The Gazlin trying to show everyone that he's honest, on his own took an oath. Same Allah has applied. The moment you swear falsely to withhold money from its rightful owner, that's the din in the Torah. That if you admit, you gotta return the Keren, you gotta add a Chaymish, and you have to bring a card. And now, coming like this. When a person stam robs, stam and we keep on learning the sugya that it says, Ve'heshev v'sagzei la'ashagazim. You have to return it. With no shino, you gotta return the thing itself. What does returning mean, as we're seeing in the sugya, right? If Reuven is the thief, Reuven is the robber, Reuven notifies Shimon, Shimon, the hundred dollars, I stole it, it's in my house. Pick it up whenever you want. That is enough of returning it. However, here, where the person took an oath, they have to physically give it back to them. Now what happens if the victim is in, the example is in Madai, is in a faraway country. The amount of money he has to give back is a fruta. The trip to Madai costs $1,000. Spend $1,000 because you did not return it until your mamish returned it. And more than that, you only get the atonement, which means you can only bring the carbon after the victim has the money. Says the Mishnah, the thief 
the one who swore falsely, has to actually deliver it, go after him. And the Bach adds the words, I feel if the victim now is a Madai, and I feel if going there costs a lot more money than the Gazelle itself. And if you don't do it, you're not going to kapar. And the Levi, don't give it to a son. Now, obviously, if you gave it to a son, and the son did give it to the father, then, then it's returned. But if you give it to the son, and an oyness happens, you did not return it yet. Don't give it to his shriach. Now, we'll see if they've got one tomorrow. One second. The, the thief, for sure, sending it by the thief's shriach, that's nothing. Shriach lahilach. If the victim sends a shriach, then we don't always say it's not considered returned. There are times that if the victim sends a real shliach like Abola, then the shliach's hand is the hand of the victim. So more of that, God willing, and next up. However, we'll see in the Gemara that Beisdin made a takana. This is part of the takana sashavim. How will a person ever do tshuva if they know that they're going to have to go to Madai? Okay, I stole a pruta. Terrible thing, and I took an oath. Terrible thing. I want to do tshuva. If I'm going to have to spend a thousand dollars to return it. I won't do tshuva. So they allowed the, the Gazlan who swore to give it to Beisdin, and that's considered return. And then they can give the chaymish, and then they can bring the coming. Furthermore, says the mission of the inmates, if the victim died, so the obligation that the Torah says, that the gazlan, that the one who swore falsely, the words of the parasha is, to whom it belongs, you have to give it. If the victim died, you have to give it to his halachic heirs. And even if the yarshim are madai, go kirch the mother. Now, this din that you have to return, and until you return it to the victim, you can't even bring the carbon, is only regarding the Kenan, not regarding the Chaymish. You have to return the Chaymish. But if you only return the Kenan and you didn't yet return the Chaymish, you can bring the carbon also. Then, then give the Chaymish, says the Mishnah. If the Kenan was resolved, but the Chaymish was not given, or if the victim is Michael, it's as if he got it. The only forgave the Kevin that did not to give the penalty of the Chaimish, so the Kevin is returned. Or Machali Azel Zeb, he forgave both. Chutz mi pachus, Mishal Afrutu Bekerim, he didn't forgive half a fruit of the Kevin. So even though the guy swore on a Shalafruta or more, and the obligation to return it was how, here the person forgave. But he didn't fully forgive it, you might have think, you might have thought it didn't start out with the half a pruta. It started out with the pruta. You gotta give the half a pruta back, says the Mishnah, you don't have to go after him. However, if the opposite happened, if the chaymish was given. The kemet wasn't given. Or if the victim forgave the chaymish, or, but he didn't forgive the Kevin, right three lines from the bottom, or but if he forgave everything, Aside of a shemaprut of the keren, so the chaymish was forgiven. Most of the keren was forgiven, but there's still a debt of the keren in the amount of the prut or more. Then sarech leilach achrov. You don't have kapot until he receives it. If he returns the keren, and now we're saying that you don't have to give the chaymish to get your kapot, and now this person, for whatever reason, is he's, he's addicted. He owes the chaymish. Let's leave it hundred dollars. The guy takes hundred dollars, swears, I don't owe you the hundred dollars. Yes, I owe you the hundred dollars. So now I owe you 125. I gave you back the hundred. This 25 is not essential for the atonement. 
but the guy wants the 25 dollars. And now, this person swears, I don't owe you the 25. And then he admits, no, I did owe you and I swore falsely. That transformed the 25 into the ketamine. Because now he has to give him back the 25 plus a chaymish on the 25. First days. And now the, the rules that the gave in the, in the ratio goes now to the canon, goes now to the chaymish. The chaymish becomes the new canon. And on top of that, he owes him a penalty of the chaymish. So for the chaymish itself, which is now the canon, you have to give it back to the sands. For the chaymish on the chaymish, you're going to have to give it back. And this goes on. And then when it comes to the chaymish of the chaymish, he swears again. Then he does tshuva. Then again, the chaymish of the chaymish becomes the canon. This goes until when the chaymish itself was not worth a fruit. No, the original chaymish becomes a new canon. And on the new canon, you have to give it to Madai. It's only on the chaymish of the chaymish now. Actually, it's my Until this person who is sick, Nebuch, he keeps on doing it. The moment the chaymish itself is worth less than a pruta, then the whole din of canon chaymish end. And the carbon does not apply. And the chain says the Mishnah that this is it about the it's about the the carrot being less than a puta. The chemish became the carrot. Yes, sir. Very good. Now the chain Bikadan clarifies the Mishnah. The example the Mishnah gave was Gazla. But as we spoke out, both in Bayikra and in Nasai, Parshas Nasai, the Torah doesn't only speak about a gazelle. Same thing by Bikadan. If he denied it with an oath, that's the key. He's I'm a shiner, you trusted me. And when you came to collect, he says, this is yours, this is mine. And I swear, God forbid, and then I do true. And as it says in the passage, he's quoting from Vayikra, Oy bepikadam, oy yod. Sesumes yod means a... Robert? A loan. You lent me money, and I deny that you lent it to me, and I swear. Oy begozel, robbery. Oy oshak, esamisa, oshak means I defrauded you. That's speaking about Strashi, says in Chumash, I hire told the worker work for me and i owe you for the day a hundred dollars and he comes to collect his payment he says i never hired you defrauding a worker or if he found an aveda and the arson on him and he knows who the owner is and he's not giving it back in all these cases if the trader says the kichish but if he denied it and the nishba ala shekel now we're starting to give all the kingdom order says the kingdom clearly said beginning in the first case of Gazela, that he stole and he swore. What does that imply? When does he have to go even to Madai? Even if going to Madai costs more money than the Keren, that's only if he swore. As we spoke out in the Mishnah, not in a Shmur. Like I said, the Heshem is like Zela. If a person stole and they have to return it, they don't have to go to Madai. They can tell the victim, okay, I stole it from you, and it's in my house, pick it up whenever you want. <laughs> yeah? Says the Gemara, how can you say that? If that would be the picket of our Tana, then our Tana is not like a Tana, not like a Bakiba. So we're going to learn about the Tana and Bakiba. It's going to appear like it's none of them. We're going to try to reconcile the Mishnah with Rabtana. We're going to try to reconcile the Mishnah with Rabakiva. And God willing, if we'll get through today, at the end, we'll make our Mishnah go according to everyone. So let's help up. It's a very easy on the Tana. Gozo Echad Mechamish. The case of the Raptafim of Akiva is if someone stole money from one of the five people that were around him. And the Enyodeya, and the Gazan does not know what is the Bach'ed, may with a man, may is a man, which one he stole it from. Not a case of a Shmur. He stole, he wants to do the Vehishif, he doesn't know to whom. So, Bechola to make things worse, each one of the five are saying, I see Gazan, I'm the victim. 
says that I'm confident about Niyak Zeh Lubinayim Mistalach. Puts the money in front of them. Really, the Rishayim say in front of Bezin. Gives it to Bezin. He tells Bezin, I'm fulfilling my obligation. I don't know who I stole it from. It's returned. These are the words of Rotaf. Rotaf seemingly is saying, you don't say call the Alam Gbar, you give it to Bezin. And now no one is going to get it. Bezin doesn't know whom to give it to. My grandfather asked always in all of these cases that Bezin has money. Where's that money today? For thousands of years, money has been given to Bezin. Actually, Yom Yom Yom, what says that, uh, yeah, this is not the way for this Gazlin to get out of the sin. That's not called return. You want to return it? You got to give to every single one. It's costing you five times the price. Don't steal. So says our Gemara now, hold on, money. Who is author of our mission? If it's a tarfin. According to Rabtarfin, since the Bryson, the Bryson didn't speak about the case of an oath. But the Gemara Nahavamin is asking that Rabtarfin make a statement, you know, Lachora, that don't, don't limit the statement. Giving it back to the Bryson is enough. That Afogab the Ishtaba Lachora, in the case, even if you would have sworn, in the case of the Bryson, I swore that I didn't steal from any of you, then I'm waiting that I stole it from one of you, that Omar Maniyak is able to be able you can give it to Bryson. Good, good, that's enough. Yeah. So it's not up time. Because I'm just saying now, if you saw, you have to go back to mother. So our place is Rabbi Kiva. I forgot the way Ishtama. Even where there wasn't an oath, they have to give back to each one. So in our case, that the guy, the victim is in Madai, same thing. You know, it's costing you five times the amount to do chuba. So what if the ticket to Madai costs five times the fruit? And there, even if he didn't swear, which would mean you have to go back to Madai. Our Mishnah only taught it then that you have to hear only by Yeshua. So who's the author of our Mishnah? So the first answer of the Gemara is And I'm going to tell you, where does Ramakiva give this Chorah? Only in the case where he swore. Perfect. If he didn't swear, then you don't have to get five. That's why in our Mishnah, not of the Shua, you wouldn't have to go after Mabai. But if you, if you swore, there's a greater sin, more is needed for Mabai. And for that, Rabbi Kiva holds you have to give five, or you have to go to Mabai, and that's the Shita of our Mishnah. And my time, what's the Machlikas, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Tarfan, contingent upon? If we are to understand that they are only arguing in the case of that it says in this parsha, you gotta give it to him. By Gazela, all it says is not to the one whom you're wrong. Self-understood, you give it to the one who you're wrong. The fact that the Torah emphasizes by the parsha of Nishba Bahida to him, you gotta give it like this. says, Nevertheless, yes, you're right, then Torah, you have to give it back. The Tanya, Rabbi Lozab and Rabbi Tzaddik Kaim, Takana Gedalis, you know, they made a great Takana. And we want people to be able to do Shuvah. That Shuvah, my Soyit Soyit said, Al Keren, that if the expense of delivering is going to be more than the principal, in the case of Matai, Mishalom Keren Mechemish Lubezdin, give the Keren Mechemish to the Bezdin, who maybe Ashoma, you can already bring your card on Ashoma, Mishapeloi. And Amakim, Ki Ovid Rabbanon Takanto, Yes, we agree that there's a concept called Takana Sashavim, but that's only That's only when you know who is the victim. And by the way, our Mishnah, which is Rabbi Kiva, also says that you can give it to Bezin because of Takana Sashavim. But in the case of the Braisa, 
even after Takana Sashavim, he cannot give it to Beisden. Because in the case of our Mishnah, you know who it belongs to. Beisden knows they have to give it, they're holding it in trust until that person comes back from mother. But when you stole it from five people, you don't know from whom you stole it. The Kamahadalei, in our Mishnah, the Kamahadalei of Elamari. You're giving it back to the owner through Beisden. However, but in the case, when you steal it from five, you're going to leave it in Basin exactly. What does Basin do? Basin doesn't know what to do. So if I keep a hold, and you got to pay five brutus. You stole five, a brutus from one, five people pay five. You are wrong. Why? It says in another place, they don't argue in a case where someone bought an article from five people. Doesn't know from whom he bought it from. That everyone agrees in such a case, and he has to name Mekach, not a ganas. He bought something he doesn't own to pay. There were five vendors. That for sure he can give the money to Bezin and he can go away. Where did they argue? That he stole He stole something from five people. The any he doesn't know from whom he stole. In such a case, Rabtarfim says, second white line. And Abakiv is the one that says, says the Gemara now, hold on a second. That the Ishtaba, if you're telling me that they only argue in a case where an oath was taken. So if the Bryce is recording this also in the case of someone who purchased something, if they only argue in a case of an oath, it must be that even by the case of a purchaser, he purchased something, but initially he denied Bakal that he purchased it. And he took an oath. If that is the case, why would Rabbi Kiva and Abdafan agree? That's Mamash a case of a person stealing. Even though they purchased it, but if they denied it with an oath, and then their mind it should be the same. Another that he bought something, he doesn't know from which of the two. You go today to an outdoor market, everyone is selling the same charges. And you bought it, and you don't know who to pay. So the chassid came to Rabtar. And Abtarfan tells them, put the money of the article in front of them, in front of Bezim, and the Histalic, and you're good to go. And then the same Chassid wasn't happy with that leniency. He didn't change it off to find the Kulok. He changed it off to find the Kulok. He went in front of Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva like, told him, If you're telling me that Rabbi Akiva only says his opinion that we penalize him when there was a false oath, a chassid will take a force and So what are you going to answer? That when he took it, he wasn't a chassid yet. Then he did you and he became a chassid. First he swore falsely. And then he did tshuva, not stam about tshuva, he became a chassidish about tshuva. And now we went to find out what happened. Well, it can be. Why? Another good rule to remember that call echad dominion maizem chassid echad. Gavin, we just had that mind. Remember the chassid? few days ago that he got sick and he tied the behemadaka to the feet of his bed because they told him that you can only get better if you drink goat's milk and he kept it for more than 30 days and you know it was not viewed favorably. Whenever you hear in the Gemara Chassid, it's either Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava or Rabbi Yehuda ben Rabbi Loi. The Gemara says Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava and Rabbi Yehuda ben Rabbi Loi, they were not Bali Tshuva. They were Hasidim from their birth. Can't be that they swore falsely. Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava and Rabbi Yehuda ben Loi, Hasidim de Mekaroham. So clearly they argue not in the case of an oath. 
Taker. So now we're going to say that our Mishnah goes according to Rabtarfa, the opposite. El Oilam, our Mishnah is Rabtarfa. Oilam, Rabtarfa, Rabtarfa, who says, what was the Kasha? The Kasha, Rabbi Kiva holds, you always have to give it back to all five. Rabbi Kiva would hold in our Mishnah, even if you didn't swear, you got to go to Madai, you got to return what you stole. Rabtarfa says, you get away by only giving it in front of a base, then. Fakir, Rabtarfa was lenient only when there was no oath. It's good. Our Mishnah was an oath. So there, Rabtarfa was much better than Rabbi Kiva. There you have to give it back. My Tamil again, because in the parsha of Nishba, the Torah says, Rabbi Kiva holds that Afal Gabdullah Mishtama, Rabbi Kiva's Moida that Midoy Raisa, Torah's insistence of returning it to the victim is only in the parsha of Nishba, in the parsha of the Heshemes Akzela, Asher Gazal. The Torah doesn't say Asher Uloi, however, Midrabon comes. Now the Gemara is still on hand. In fact, the Gemara, let's try to finish this. That, you're telling me that where there is an oath, right? If he would not admit, don't forget, if he would not admit, that there would not be a Karen on the Chaim Yashanakarma. So it must be that he swore and he was mighty. My Nishba, it's not true. It's not only if he swore, I'm going to prove to you that Rabbi Tarfan holds, even if he did not swear, even if he did not swear, he has to give it back to the victim. The person tells to two potential victims. Right? That one. I stole from one of your mana, and I don't know from whom I stole it. Says the Braison, Gotta give one to each one. Now, how do we reconcile this and with that and for Hold on a second. Turn it to that Because holds that when a person stole and he was not by and now we hopped him, that is where he's lenient. But the moment a person is on his own trying to make it good, trying to do chuba, even if he did not swear, he has to return it to the victim. So if that's the case, just like he's gonna lose two one. Same thing, if the victim is in Madai, he has to go to Madai. Why does the Mishnah insist that only by Nishba you have to go to Madai? So it answers Rabbi, this is going to be the final answer, that our Mishnah goes both according to Rabbi Kiva and And let me say this by heart, this is Gabal. When a person steals, there are two separate issues that need to be resolved. Issue number one is, God forbid I steal from you, I got to give back to you what I stole. Right? Or by, by Geneva, Kefo. But there's a Ben Adam Lechaveri issue. I have to return it to you. And there's another issue. I need to get atonement, and don't confuse one with the other. And just pick it up by heart. For me, returning it to you, as long as I know who the victim is, Kula Alma, even though I didn't give it back to you, the moment I admitted that I stole it, and I'm telling you, pick it up whenever you want, it's considered returned. Now, if I stole it from five people, I don't know from whom, and me declaring that I'm, it's in my house, or it's in Beisden, that's a machaikis, whether it's considered returned or not. But there's another whole parasha. If I want to get atonement, there are times, Beisden cannot force me to give it back to all five. But if I want to get good, sometimes if my sin was very serious, then I have to give it back. Like Rabtarfan will hold if I didn't take an oath. So my sin wasn't as bad as, not only am I Yitzim Midei Adam by leaving it in Beisden, I can be Yitzim Midei Shamayim. As long as you know who the victim is. We've seen Pumfa that 
Come on. No, the bigger the sin, the more kapar I need. No, and me give back. So in order, if I have to give a monotheist person, not that person, but that's the man of Haber. Meaning, one of them is going to be upset. Let's read it inside. Okay, Omar oh, says, Rabbi, this, that Shani must listen in our Mishnah. That's the key. The difference between our Mishnah and both the price that we had on top of, of the Amit. And the bottom of the Amit, our Mishnah speaks about in all the victims. Even the price in the bottom of the Amit with Rav is Mahmur, a guy stole without a score, but he doesn't know from whom. That's worse. You don't know who you're giving it back to. In our Mishnah, since the Yad Alaman Gosla, you know who the victim is, and he admitted, that resolves the Ben Adam Lachaveh. Okay, it works. The, the whole, you have to go to mother, it has, has nothing to do with returning, it has to do with the Let's read it inside. Given the actual since you know who the victim is, you can give it back to the owner. Have a command the armor as if the victim tells the robber, it's as if the victim tells the robber, you can keep it until I get it. Let it be in your hands as a pikadan, it's considered returned. So, as far as the returning it is concerned, when you know who the victim is, that's called returned. Why does the Mishnah say that if he takes an oath, he has to go to Mother? Hilkah, by Nishba, even though admitting that I stole it and declaring it's in my house for you to pick up, it's considered returned in Adam Lachavedai when my began of sin is worse because I took an oath. Even if the victim explicitly says, it's fine, I don't need to get it back. I'm happy that you admit it, I'll pick it up when I want. Even the boy kapara for the ben adam lamakayim leisagel adam atuliyade. For that, you don't get kapara until you return it. But haloi ishtaba. But if he would not swear and he knows who the owner is, the sin was not as serious. He doesn't need a kapara. He has to return it. Returning it is considered having a baby kaden adushakulahim gevaldik. And again, what the machlok is having given up tarfin. Even by Ben Adam Lachaveroi, if I don't know who the victim is, is it considered returned or not? So there, the Tarfin is lenient and he says, not for Kampara, for returning it. That's the price of Kapara Amit. If I stole something from five people, I'm not looking for Kapara. I didn't do Kapara, I was caught. I'm being forced to return it. If I put it in front of Basin and I say, whoever it belongs to take it, it's called returned. Here's where Namakiva says, it's not even considered returned. Rabbi Kiva's mother, that if you know who the victim is, and the victim says you can hold on to it, that's fine. And, and we say, have a go'emer, but if you don't know, that's the machlech that we came out of. Now, the Bryson Amit Beis, we're speaking about a person who wants to do tshuva. He's told, he didn't swear, he wants to do tshuva. So here's what Abtarfan says, you want to get kapana, give it back to Moses. Giving it in front of Beis then resolves the returning the gzela. Kapana, give it back to both. In our mission, likewise, in our mission, you know who the victim is. But here you did another sin, you swore. So to get atonement for the shore, you might need a higher level of kapara. To get that level of kapara, you have to go to Madai, Givaldic to be confirmed to Madai.